Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I am your host, Scott Needham, and I am a seller on Amazon. I've been selling for about eight years uh, with, uh, you know, thousands of products under our belts. And um, one thing that many people in the business should be aware of is, you know, there's a chance that at some point you're going to end your business, you're going to exit. And a lot of you should be thinking about that first. You should be thinking, how is this business going to survive and what value can I continue to create? So I have with me on the show today, Ken Kubek from Thras.io. They are a outfit which buys FBA businesses. They just, they roll them up and operate them. Ken, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. So I'll highlight what I know different about Thras.io. Am I saying that right? Do you say the dot, Thras.io? <laughs> um, uh, you just, you, uh, you pronounce it one word, Thras, it's Thras.io. Okay. So um, they seem to be very, you know, well-disciplined. You look at their website and they're very clear about what they do and that they are very disciplined in buying FBA businesses. They are then then they operate them and so when they see opportunity they they jump at it and you know this is different than say a broker this is uh you know a company that that really has a lasered in focus tell me a little bit more ken about um you know thrasio and you know how long you guys been doing this and uh where you see it going yeah so we got started in the summer of 2018. Uh, by the end of 2018, we had acquired four uh, Amazon FBA businesses, probably raised a total of $15 million worth of capital um, to continue to build out the team and acquire and really hit the accelerator as we turned the calendar year into 2019 um, and obviously continued that through 2020. So just to fast forward, you know, I, I joined in November of 18, two or three deals by the time I joined. Um, to where we sit today, we have over you know, 250 people in the company globally, three offices here in the U.S., um, two overseas. We have acquired over 50 Amazon FBA brands. You know, we've raised well over $200 million worth of capital. You guys have 250 so, employees? Yeah. And um, how, I mean, we, we actually have over 100 uh, in our company, but it's really heavy in distribution. Uh do you, I'm imagining if you guys are operating, then you are kind of all over the spectrum of FBA. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so in terms of the operations, right, we have brand managers, we have an entire marketing team um, that handles, you know, Amazon SEO that handles Facebook ads, um, Instagram. We have, you know, people that are hiring influencers, uh, managing influencers, managing licensing, um, you know, so okay. trying to sign up athletes for licensing agreements for sports and outdoor. I mean, we're, wow. we're kind of building a, a next generation consumer products, goods company. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're, and, um, yeah, you're not just letting these brands just sit. You're, you're seeing what's an opportunity and growing them. That's interesting. Yep. So why, why FBA businesses? Yeah. So look, I mean, you know, I, I think the, the power of the Amazon, you know, ecosystem and platform is apparent and becoming even more apparent during this uh, pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's just a big opportunity when you look at the landscape and the fact that, you know, 85% of surge volume 
on Amazon is unbranded. Um, yet there's 35,000 plus brands that are doing over a million a year in revenue on Amazon. So we saw an opportunity to start to look and consolidate those brands, kind of micro brands, if you will, that are, that are based on Amazon. And what we really look for is that beachfront real estate on Amazon. So we're looking for leaders in their respective categories. We're pretty category agnostic. So we, we own stuff in pet, auto, home, kitchen, uh, you know, you, you name it, um, outside of supplements and food, um, areas we don't you know, particularly play in, but, um, you know, Amazon is the endless aisle. And when you look at customer acquisition costs relative to, to D to C brands, um, they're pretty fixed and finite, uh, on Amazon, right? I mean, you have the referral fee and then your incremental advertising spend, you know, if you're running D to C, you, you don't, you know, you might be spending, you know, ten dollars to acquire a customer that for a product that has eight dollars of gross profit it just doesn't make sense um, at scale. And and so we just think it was a massive opportunity. Oh, I I'm with you. Like I, uh, what's funny is uh, before I thought about bringing Ken on the podcast, you know, I trolled around on these websites and I was like, hmm, like why not? You know, we could start building some brands from scratch or we can get a head start and buy some. And it's, it's been very in, in, enticing. It's, it's, it's clearly a great opportunity, especially when you understand the Amazon ecosystem and the advantages that has specifically like scale and like customer acquisition is just a, it's just different altogether. Um, so tell me a little bit about, you know, when I am thinking about like, you know, selling a business or buying a business, like, there's a few, uh, you know, parts that like you need to investigate. That's like, there's this due diligence process, which for you guys, I, I see that takes about 45 days to, to do this. Um, and one thing that always sounds like a little funny, fuzzy to me is like suppliers. Um, what do you do to like, when you're doing due diligence and checking with suppliers, like, what are you asking? What are you looking for? And like, what's a red flag? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think one of the biggest assets of our company is the strength of our supply chain team, to be honest with you. Um, you know, decades of supply chain leadership um, kind of reside within our walls. Um, and, and, you know, we, we look, we, we look for steady, high quality products. Um, so, you know, one of the things we really focus on is, is, is the quality of the product. So you, have you had a lot of manufacturing issues? Um, you know, the, the, the recent delays and things like that, we you know, obviously everybody who's in consumer products has experienced them, um, has dealt with them, et cetera. Um, but, but we really look at the products themselves, make sure that they are high, high quality, not just, you know, cheap you know, cutting corners, um, et cetera. And w- once we're in actual diligence, you know, we, you know, reconcile the cost of goods sold and all, you know, Landed costs, et cetera, and then do you, voices. But um, oftentimes, you know, God. Do, do you ever worry about, say, the suppliers selling to someone else? I, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, you know, a, a creating a counterfeit route or, or uh, just putting another label on, you know, the same product and, you know, issuing a PO. Yeah. And it's happened to us, um, you know, our products, we, we see our products up on Alibaba sometimes <laughs> with our, with our, 
trademark, you know, brand on them. Um, and that's just, you know, it's just a part of doing business in a, at a global scale. It's going to happen. Right. So we, I mean, we have, uh, a, a first class legal team. So we have, you know, a number of attorneys in house, um, that focus on IP protection and, and, and stuff of that nature that we're able to, our supply chain teams is able to leverage, um, which, which definitely helps. But it's, I think it's the cost of doing business, right? I mean, especially when you, I mean, w- one of the beauties is, uh, you know, we are buying leaders in their space and, you know, decent size volume businesses. So right. oftentimes, you know, depending on the supplier in the market, you know, we could be a, a top five, you know, kind of client for, or a manufacturing facility and you know, that, that also gives you leverage. I'm going to put it in a different way. It's probably not right to think of it this way, but um, I was, when there's businesses, so like there's good problems to have, you know, if you're a leader, like it's, it's not bad to be a leader that's worth imitating, you know, and worth counterfeiting. Uh, so it, like, like you said, it comes with the territory. And um, so that's interesting that like you guys, you know, you've seen this before. And so it looks like it's not a huge concern in that, you know, you have a tactics that you can uh, go through. So what, yep. it, what about like, say a seller, like an FBA business has been in the private label game for a while and doesn't have necessarily a coherent brand. They have, you know, 10 different products in three different categories <clears throat> and they just looked like opportunities at the time and they've rolled them all up into their single brand. Um, does that uh, cause you guys pause or concern or are, are you looking for like, you know, mastery in one subcategory? No. Yeah, no, we, we would look at that. I mean, it's, you know, as long as it has leadership positioning within those, you know, a majority of those products. I mean, look, we, we have a, very diverse portfolio of products and brands, right? I mean, we're not consolidating within a specific category and trying to gain, you know, operational leverage that way. It's more, you know, we, we're just, our goal is to become the best Amazon operators out there, like full stop. So, you know, we're kind of building a machine that we can kind of, in theory, plug and play any type of product into it. Um, but we are looking at opportunities to create, you know, real brand equity as well, both on and off of Amazon, um, you know, taking products into Certainly. physical brick and mortar. Yeah, um, but it's yeah, it's not a disqualifier by any means. Okay, they just uh, kind of hodgepodge of you know, as long as they have two or three leaders in there, you know, I mean, I, I come across it all the time. You know, they maybe they have three or four brands, um, and two of them are, you know, one might be selling you know mothball kits, and the others like dog chew toys, or you know, and, and, you know, that's something we would definitely look at and entertain as long as it checks the other criteria. Oh, right. Um, so then what makes you like turn away from a business? I'm certain there's been many businesses coming. You're like, Hey, this seems like a decent opportunity, but like these things are getting in the way. And I, I want the audience to think about like, you know, you're probably not ready to sell your business now, but like say one, two, three, four years, like, uh, you know, these are the things that I want you, you to be thinking about. Um, and so, you know, it takes work to, to build these the defensive moats. So what makes you turn away a business? Yeah, I think the biggest, honestly, for us is if we deem that there's been a strong reliance on black hat tactics um, to either to get where they're at. Um, now, look, we, you know, we know the history of Amazon and, 
the, the ever-changing terms of service and, you know, review groups and soliciting reviews and buying reviews, you know, was above the board um, kind of five years ago. Um, and so a lot of scale to, you know, five, 10, 15 million in revenue on Amazon have been selling for that long, right? Um, so, so they've built, they've had a chance to, to, to build that review mode, as we call it. Um, so that's the biggest, um, honestly, is just kind of the, the cleanliness of, of the, the reviews and the account, right? The last thing we want to do is buy a business and, you know, three months later, it goes through a review scrape and they've gone from, you know, number two in the space to number six in the space and volumes are down 25, 30%. So, you know, we do diligence um, to hedge against that and try and tease that out. But that's that's the biggest, right? Like I, I view that as kind of like outside of normal launch um, procedures and, you know, people trying to, when they're trying to launch new products, obviously to get reviews and things like that. But if it's like, if they're giving away 10 units a day to sustain a 4.5 star and, you know, we take the brand over, we stop doing that, and it goes to a four-one, right? It, I mean, that's just, that's the stuff we really look look out for, um, and, and that would cause us to walk away from a business. And the other is just, you know, I would say it's Jermaine Nathrasio and how we operate. But we love hero skew uh, companies, and you know, just one we're diversifying across our portfolio. So to buy one product that's doing two or three million a year in revenue, you know. A, a traditional buyer might have indigestion when they look at profile, right? Of the bid or they get attacked or something happens. Um, but, but we, you know, we're confident with our ability to defend um, products right. of that size and, and grow and grow them. Yep. Um, so that is, um, I'm guessing then you probably look if, you know, if someone was ever suspended before you're like, okay, you're suspended. That's okay. But why? And yeah. And, and there's this like, there are a few types of suspensions where like they, you know, maybe like the second or third strike and you're out specifically review uh, manipulation where the second, the second offense can be, you know, 21 day suspension. Yeah. So that those are the yeah things. we get yeah we get you know we dig in through this in the seller central look at all the you know Amazon feedback and customer feedback and as as part of our normal diligence. Um, do you guys yourself uh, use brokers when you're you know say like because right now there's you know four or five brokers out there and maybe some of the interesting businesses are there. Uh, are you guys using them to to source uh? businesses yeah yep so yeah we know all the brokers really well we we've, we've bought deals from pretty much all of them at this point oh really um and it yeah but that's right like it's it's now, now you have people coming to you though right just directly they know you guys have marketed yourself yeah, yeah so we're, we're starting to do that um you know we, we we've well, when conferences were going on, we were going to the industry conferences and you know getting booths, and sponsoring uh, things there, which I continue to force you as doing when that when that resumes, um, and you know just being in the marketplace. Um, yeah, it's look, it's it's I, I liken it to a real estate transaction, right? I mean, most people, if they have a good friend network or um, you know 
what they might want to try and hey float it out there to you know the, their neighbors and say hey we're thinking about selling see if they can catch a bid uh, before they go list with the broker right to avoid paying the broker fees um, which can be you know up to 15 percent for an Amazon business um, so we always just tell people hey it's it doesn't cost anything to just come talk to us we can you know we can help you build your PL we can do a lot of things to even prep you as if you know if a deal if we don't do a deal we're happy to you know help you like I said build your PL give you some pointers give you feedback on all the brokers and help you point you in the right direction if that's the route you do want to go down um, so it's a good relate good working relationship with all the brokers um the most common multiple that um, I hear about is, you know, uh, two years of of profit. So like, a, you know, sometimes like a like a 24 month multiple. Um, what is the range that you guys end up, you know, looking for or, or giving? And what can someone do to raise the, you know, a multiple that they can get out of their business? Yeah. So the typical range is anywhere kind of we like to think about it as all in. So we have like upfront payments, stability payments and kind of earnouts that we structure our deals around. Um, but I would say all in an expectation and, you know, kind of once everything's fully paid out is probably, you know, in the range of like two and a half to four. Um, the upfront piece tends to range, I would say between like 1.75 and kind of like two, five, two, seven range. And then there's additional payments on the back end of that. Um, so that's like a normal, you know, I would say market multiple, depending on your size, um, obviously size, growth trajectory, um, you know, recent trends, et cetera. I'm actually going to hash that out for just a quick second because I'm, I'm sure there's some people in the audience that have never even heard these concepts before. So uh, what Ken was talking about is that when you sell your business, you know, you are selling it at a multiple of your profit per year. And so... Uh, I think a good starting point is around two, um, maybe even a little bit yeah. lower. As you said, 1.75, like two years of, of profit is, is like the value of your business. It can be up to four if, if you have like an incredible brand that has just like high potential in a market segment yeah. that's, that's moving. Um, and then, um, then there's an earnout. That means, you, you know, you sell your business, but... Uh, you can still get additional significant value in your business by working for one, two, three years. There's, there's de many different structures of an earnout, but you know, just because you sell your business, they don't want you to leave immediately because a lot of times the founder is the key piece of like what's holding things together. And so they reward you for executing, you know, the vision of that brand for another year or two. And I think when you think about selling your business, you, you definitely got to, uh, you know, you want to be thinking about these pieces uh, of, of what you're actually selling and where you can get the most value. So, uh, yeah, I, so I, I gone. Oh, I was just going to say, so I, I think one area we're, we're actually unique in is in that, right? Like we have 250 plus people, um, experts in their every respective function uh, required to run an Amazon business uh, at the highest level. So we actually don't require the sellers to stay on at all. Okay. Um, but we we let them participate in the upside that our collective team is able to drive uh, in their brand going forward. Have you had any uh, founders or uh, owners like stay with you guys? 
uh, for yeah, yeah, we have. So we we've had like two uh, two owners have stayed have actually joined us as full time employees um, that are actually running um, product launch um, teams for us. So they're coming up with new products to launch underneath um, existing brands. So they can you know not only their brands, but they they can look across our entire portfolio and say, oh, this would be a great product, and they you know prototype it and are going to be launching um, things like that. We have people stay on as consultants for a period of time to launch new products. If you know if they have if they're on the cusp of a new product cycle and they're just getting ready to go, and you know they want to see it through, and you know we can carve out specific deal economics on them launching new products for us over a period of a year or two. Um, we're, we're really flexible in, in how we work with the sellers uh, post-acquisition. Interesting. Um, do you ever look at, um, you know, Amazon accounts that may be closer to like wholesale or say they have authorized reseller agreements, maybe even they have an authorized reseller agreement that lasts two, three years, and that's only a component of their FBA operation. Are you looking for exclusively private label or... Uh, maybe a pseudo private label where like there's like uh, some wholesale components. Yeah. We look exclusively for private label. Okay. That's just I just, dark, I just want model. Yeah. I just wanted to hit that. So, you know, people like aren't, you know, asking all the wrong questions. Um, so one thing that, I mean, you, the listeners should appreciate about private label is like, you know, they own, uh, intellectual property to a degree, you know, anywhere from the manufacturing to the, to the brand, like it's, it, it is a defendable uh, product. You know, once it gets some traction, you know, people are searching for this brand. Um, so now I, I guess I only maybe have one or two more questions, but like, there's obviously risk. You guys are upfronting, you know, you're buying businesses and there's a chance that like, you know, competitors come in and, you know, the EBITDA or the, uh, the profit margins that, you know, you were achieving for a year or even two or three years, you know, they go down. Um, what, what kind of things are you thinking about? So like that doesn't happen or if it has happened, um, how have you tried to course correct? Yeah. I mean, look, we, so there, there's, you know, a lot of levers that you can pull to, you know, for when you, when you take over a brand, right. So you, you can either, you can grow revenue or you can reduce, you know, ideally we're, we're doing both. Um, and our, our track record suggests that, that we are in fact doing both. Um, so, I mean, it's everything from, you know, we have a, a series of 500 checkpoints that each brand goes through um, the moment that we sign the agreement. Right. So it's like, Checking all your creative, checking your con, your listings, backend keywords, ranking, supply. I mean, everything across the board to optimize the brand um, going forward. So you know, oftentimes it's hey, we need to do a complete creative brand refresh. Like let's get you know six photos, let's get video up there, let's get two lifestyle images. You know, they only have one lifestyle image, or they're not telling a story with, with their products, right? I mean, we have a team of videographers, photographers, and staff in our Houston office. Um, just an awesome creative team, like copywriters, et cetera. So, 
I think, you know, we're very confident to grow our brands. And, you know, on average, we've grown kind of rolling, trailing 12 month EBITDA at like 45 to 6% post acquisition. Um, and that's obviously a mix of either, you know, su- supply chain leverage, you know, reducing cost of goods sold, um, increasing marketing efficiency. Um, so one, investing in marketing and, you know, and, and targeting, you know, ACOS, et cetera. Uh, our team's incredible there. Um, driving sessions, improving conversion rates. So you know, we kind of try and optimize all of those things together. I actually think my favorite thing about you guys is that you guys operate these uh, Amazon businesses and, um, and have used that expertise in, you know, in growing these brands. So I'm, I'm not, that's what makes me jealous of you guys. The fact that like, not only do you buy these businesses, but you get the chance to like, you know, grow them. And like, since you have domain expertise of Amazon, um, uh, that to me, that's the funnest part uh, is, is to, is to apply, you know, you know, uh, things that you have learned and, yeah. and, and really, you know, you, I'm certain that like, you know, the 50 companies that you guys have already acquired, you probably saw one or two. You're like, you guys have like really missed this one specific opportunity. And once you bought it, you're like, okay, here it goes. No, and it, it'd be just, Hey, they're not ranking on these 10 keywords and, and they just, you know, didn't know how to do it or whatever it is, you know, that, you know, and I have so much respect, like my, the best part of my job is I get to talk to all these entrepreneurs, right. And they're just incredible people. Like it's the best part of my job. Um, but it's really cool when, you know, I send them a video be like, Hey, we just redid creative, like check out this cool, like video our team did. And they're like, Oh man, like I, I knew like, I love that. I wish I would have done that. I, you know, I thought about doing that. I just didn't have the time and the money to do that. You know, so we basically, you know, are taking these people's like passion, like it's their baby and we're, we're helping mature them. Right. We're kind of taking over and, you know, we, we just have, everybody has deficiencies in life, right? Like when it comes to work and, you know, I got blind spots and weaknesses just as you do as everybody does. And, you know, we kind of look at an Amazon business and there's, you know, maybe they're not great at marketing. Maybe they're just not comfortable negotiating or they're nervous too, right? So it's all these different aspects of an Amazon business and being an entrepreneur. And we basically have just built up expertise in every single aspect. And so the brands come in and they get Mm -hmm. that white glove treatment across all aspects of the business. It sounds like you guys have a lot you could teach the community um, at large. Do you uh, ever engage with that where like, they're like, hey, like when you guys take over a business, like what are you, what's, what is your checklist? Where do you guys keep that close yeah. to the chest? <laughs> yeah, so to date, it's been close to the chest um, just for, you know, competitive reasons. And um, but I think we're getting to the scale now where, um, I would say stay tuned because it's, it's, it's stuff we're working on internally. Um, and, and we do, right. It's, I mean, it's an awesome community and, you know, we think we're providing, look, we've, you know, minted 50 millionaires, which is pretty awesome, right? Like everybody always thinks about, you know, the value that we're getting, but I think we're also giving a lot of value back to the ecosystem, right? Like giving people an opportunity to exit and cash in and de-risk their balance sheet. And we hear, and we get awesome letters and emails from sellers being like, this has been life-changing. You know, I, I just bought my mom a house. It's just like awesome. Like, it's really cool um, to, to be on, you know, be able to impact people's lives 
Um, and so it, it's definitely stuff we're taking seriously and figuring out um, how much we can, you know, continue to share back. Right. Um, so some of my audience may remember, like I, I did sell a business in September and it actually, it does change your identity as an entrepreneur. Cause like it, it's, it's addictive. You're like, okay, I got that. I want to do this again. It, yeah. It's such a validation of success. And so if I, you know, I, there's a few things I like about you guys specifically that you, you guys are investing in these brands further and that you're good at it. So if you want to see your, like say you're ready to sell or, uh, you know, you want to capture some value and chase a different opportunity. I, but like, if you want to continue to hold on to, you know, that brand as like, you know, being proud that you brought it to life. um, That's a different reason to take someone like Thrasio and, and to use them. So how can people get a hold of you guys or like, you know, what's the, what's the first step that, uh, the audience could do to. Yeah. So people can just email me directly. Um, Ken at thras.io, T H R A S.io. Um, you know, I'm constantly interacting with sellers, happy to you know schedule a quick call to talk through your business, answer any questions I can about our, our, our company, our process. They can also just go to our website, www.thras.io. Um, there's, you know, we're re- in the middle of revamping that. So hopefully that'll launch in the next few months. Uh, but there's a form fill on there that basically comes to my team. Um, that I, I see all of those. So um, either way, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, you know, all the typical Amazon channels that people are on. Yep. Okay. Well, um, if you're, if uh, I'm talking to the audience, if you're not ready to sell your business now, that's okay. Um, but I, I think you know, you should be building with that end goal. And that's going to be, you know, getting a clean uh, balance sheet, you know, a PL that's like straightforward that you understand and it's easy to like to know what you're worth. And and then like some of the brand equity, you know, like uh defendable IP, you know, key positions and um, you know, even even building like a, a, a sizable Instagram following around your brand is still part of the assets that you're handing over that uh, will allow it to just uh, be as valuable as, as you can. So, so don't discount anything that you're doing that, that really grows your brand. And, um, but thank you so much, Ken, for coming on and, and talking about this and sharing some insights. Um, I know, you know, I, I, I'm really hoping to sell uh, a few more businesses in my career. And so I'm jealous of like what you guys get to do is you guys get to buy businesses and see them take a different life. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And uh, you know, you're doing great work for the community and entrepreneurs. And um, I I just think it's, there's, you know, there's never been a better time to be in e-commerce and specifically Amazon. So uh, we remain excited about the opportunity and, um, seller should be as well. Oh, we're, we're like, um, uh, you know, a, a pandemic is a, is not a great thing, but you know, don't let a crisis go to waste. Like there is, it is a moment for e-commerce. And so yep. uh, really take advantage of it and think of like, you know, it's, it's a very forward thinking business in my opinion, you know, more and more people are, are, are building these habits of like, you know, pulling out their Amazon app to just like buy like what they need and, and as that happens, you know, I feel like this community, it strengthens our businesses. Yeah, so, no, I totally right. agree. 
Well, uh, thank you guys for listening to the show. Uh, stay tuned for next week's episode. I've got uh, some great things lined up. And if you know someone that's, that's interested in selling their business or, you know, thinking about it, uh, send them this episode, share it with them and, uh, and let them know about Ken and like some of the things that they should be uh, doing to, to, to sell their business. So that's it. Take care. One, two, three. This episode has been produced by LaunchPod Media.